Welcome back to the School of Calisthenics Playground session. This week we have been, we're going to indulge ourselves a little bit and share with you a, an interview that we did. Yes, so we were fe- we're featuring us being featured on um, Life Athletics Podcast and Nick there, um, a fantastic podcast, um, but he's never <laughs> know, in the, uh, I literally stopped him halfway through and I was like, Nick, really enjoying it, like he's just really enjoying his podcast and it was not necessarily just enjoying what we were saying, it was He's got, um, he's not doing calisthenics, but he's got a philosophy around like training, but how that fits into life. That is performance lifestyle. Yeah, really. And it's, and it was totally on board. Like we'd never spoke to him before. I just felt like over the microphone, we were just having this, uh, the three of us were just having this like connection. So I really enjoyed it. I stopped him. I was like, Nick, I'm flipping loving this. He was in Bali drinking a coconut. Yeah, I think that helped. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, he definitely was interested um, to talk to us about our mindset. And that is a lot around what this podcast is about. So um, we hope there's some stuff in there for you guys that you can take away, get to know a little bit more about us, uh, but also how we um, see training and and how lifestyle and mindset all fit in together. So sit back and enjoy, guys. This is um, the School of Calisthenics on on the Life Athletics Podcast. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me on the Life Athletics Podcast. Absolute pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting us, Nick. And so we have two people on, and I'm going to ask you to introduce yourselves one by one, say your name so we can identify the voices and put a, a voice to the name at least. Hey, yeah, so I, I was the other part of the school, guys, and it's uh, David, or most people know me as Jacko. Some people get confused when uh, if, if I say Dave or Jacko, but most people know me as Jacko from the school, calisthenics. And I'm the other half of the equation, Tim. From the School of Calisthenics, same place. Wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> and because we're publishing this on both, I'm Nick Wood from the Life Athletics Podcast. And yeah, so I am thrilled to have you guys on the show. I've only recently discovered you and immediately resonated. And man, uh, yeah, there's a lot about your story that I, I dig and about your approach. So... For those of you who don't know who you are, for those of like the listeners who don't know who you are, who are you, and what are you guys up to, and how did you get to here? Yeah, so I, I'll introduce the School of Calisthenics because it's uh, it'll give a bit of a, a background to how we got into it. So um, we set up the school about two two and a half years ago with the idea of helping people to explore their physical potential through bodyweight training, um, and that looks like calisthenics and, and mastering your own bodyweight. Um, from my background is actually I played rugby from sort of nine, ten years old um, through to sort of mid twenties when I started training to be a professional strength and conditioning coach. I spent the last ten years working in elite sport, specif- uh, specifically with Paralympic athletes, um, and actually stopped playing uh, rugby because I had a, a series of, of shoulder dislocations and, and two reconstruction surgeries. And I'd done all the physio stuff in the book. Um, and nothing was working. I kept on having problems with it. Um, so I, I decided if I could learn to handstand, then that would give me some confidence that my shoulder was stable. Um, and that was my wife, South African, and we were down in, just outside of Cape Town, overlooking the ocean. And I thought this is a cool place to, to try and learn to, to move in a different way. And it started off a bit around that of like, can I learn to teach myself something new and give, give myself some confidence in what has been a, a recurrent injury and, and real sort of lack of confidence in my shoulder. Um, and what that led to was just getting absolute passion and, and, and addiction in a healthy way of, um, of learning to move in new ways. We've done so much training as a strength and conditioning coach over the years where you sort of strength training or strength endurance or hypertrophy or whatever it is. And all of a sudden I was, uh, I was kind of bored of it um, and, and learning to, to, to do calisthenics. It just opened up an absolute 
whole new world of, of movement and training that, that is just yeah fueling what I'm all about and then where the business was born from. Um, and I let Jacko jump in because his stories are we sort of met about four five years five ago. Years ago yeah. We I um, I used to play professional rugby and met Tim just as that was going down the pan. Um, that career in terms of I got um, I had a, a, a head injury, um, I had a seizure on the training pitch, which meant that I had to um, had to retire early, uh, sli- only slightly early. I was 31 when that happened, um, so I was on my way out anyway. But um, and I w- won't go too much into that because then they'll open up all the emotional uh, baggage that comes <laughs> you don't comes with with uh, having to finish your playing <laughs> career and think, oh crikey, what the hell am I going to do now? Emotional um, turmoil. Luckily, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, but uh, yeah, but I'll just I'll I'll take up too much of your time. But um, <laughs> the the good news was that um, I met Tim uh, through a, a mutual friend of ours uh, at the church we go to, and um, that uh, I wanted I was looking at what do I want to do when I finish rugby anyway, and and he was a strength and conditioning coach that had um, got into the industry uh, and training athletes without having done um, gone down the university degree route. Um, and and my, I was I was sort of wanting to get into that without my back. I, the degree I'd done at university was in engineering, so it was not related to sport whatsoever. Um, so I started working with him through that. Went through the same training um, and education process he'd gone through, um, and then basically shadowed him um, for about a year, trying to learn from his coaching techniques that he was doing with all the Paralympic athletes, which really sort of advances your learning because you're having to. Um, do stuff that's you're looking at exercises he's doing and trying to understand what's going on because it's it's completely out of the box it's not it's not the normal you're training people with uh, limbs missing or different um, lots of different sort of uh, disabilities Um, and then the calisthenic side of things came in that I'd obviously finished playing rugby where there was a lot of weight training done and sort of explosive power training for to be I'm a, I'm a relatively small guy I was one of the smallest guys on the pitch but I was I was I was fast so that was my sort of thing so a lot of the training was based around that um and when I when I got I'd always loved training and I'd, I'd even said to somebody uh, some of my mates that I played with when I finish playing rugby all I'm going to do is I'm going to go in the gym and I'm going to get absolutely jacked but that was what I thought I was going to do and uh, it took me it took about a year to get back um to be able to run without getting a headache because of my symptoms from my head injury but um I was able to start doing a little bit of resistance work after a few months um, and caught myself doing bicep curls, <laughs> looking in the mirror at the gym and going, what on earth are you doing? Like, the, the idea of getting jacked wore off very quickly. I just got really bored. And what I realized was that what I loved about training was preparing myself for the game, the rugby game at the weekend. Um, and when that was taken away, there was no sort of my motivation that I thought I was just always super pumped for training actually had gone um, and I needed something new and at that time Tim was starting, starting that handstand journey um, I was absolutely abysmal at that uh, but found it um, when I first tried to do a frog stand you said you were doing a, a crow variation on the beach there in Bali so I'm not jealous about that at all but um, <laughs> I landed straight flat on my face uh, that's how bad I was when we started um, but I'd always wanted to do the human flag that was one of the things that I'd seen that you're like, I can see that guy doing that, but is how is he doing that? Is he <laughs> cheating? Is that Photoshop? Is that actually real? I've never seen anyone actually do it in real life. And so we started messing about with that. Um, and actually there was no, we, we sort of searched YouTube to go like, well, how do, what's the technique? How do you actually do this? And all we found was um, 
people just sort of we always tell the a story of almost like a guy it looks like he's just give the phone to his camera or his, uh, his or his camera to his girlfriend and gone yeah you know, just just uh, you know they, i'll do it i'll do a quick tutorial and they just go this is how you do a human flag and then just do one and you're the guy they're going well I know you can do one now, but I <laughs> still can't do it. You haven't, you haven't explained it, you haven't broken it down. So um, we started unpicking some of these seemingly impossible things that we ourselves thought were impossible and tried to use our understanding from um, that experience in coaching, mainly Tim's experience in coaching, to go, what's actually going on um, in the body? What's, what's happening? What sort of uh, positions do we need to create? How do we create force in those positions? And, and how are we actually going to learn this thing um and then yeah we were pretty bad at the start but slowly we sort of uh stumbled our way through um and then was able to once we could do something people in our gym used to say what are you blokes doing you just look like you're pissing about or messing about Uh, because essentially we were but after a few (laughs) months it was like oh that's cool can you teach me and and that's almost literally how the school was born it it was it was it sounds cheesy but it genuinely was organic we didn't think that this was we what we're doing and it's it's changed a massive shift in our own training then also like within our what we're doing in terms of our business one of the things that i really love about the two of you is you get a sense of you two haven't been doing this forever (laughs) and what i mean is is a lot of we haven't even been we haven't even been mates together. Like yeah. I think it's the other day yeah. we were going down to London yesterday, and I was like, I said to Tim, I, was, I went, you know what? I just love I love us working together. Like it's flipping cool. Like we're, we're we're best mates, but also working together is just. Um, but the weird thing is, we've only known each other five years. Yeah. I don't know where that's come mm. from, but yeah, bit of a bromance. No, I think don't worry, we've got wise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but what I mean is, a lot of people who teach any kind of calisthenic or gymnastic move, they look like kids who've been in gymnastics classes since they were three. And and I personally, I mean, I'm six foot six, 200 something pounds. I'm not built to do gymnastics. As a kid, my, my teachers let me kind of sit on the side of the class and say, don't, don't worry about that. Um, and so to have, to have you guys talk about your journey as adults unable to do these things and then teaching yourselves well it it makes it seem achievable to me and so um i mentioned before we started recording how much i loved your slogan and and it resonated with me for a number of reasons but one of them is that it sounds like you guys did this redefine your impossible so could you share where that came from and and what that means to you yeah, again, that was fairly organic, Nick, because it was, um, we'd started playing around with calisthenics, and as Dave said, we never, we never set out to build a business from it. It was, it was as much an, uh, an exploration into a different form of training for us. Partly, I thought, well, this might be something that I can use with some of the athletes, and it upskills me as a coach a little bit. Um, and it was a really humbling experience, and that's one of the things that I still love about calisthenics, is when you first start as a beginner, you'll try something that maybe you've seen on one of our videos or you've seen somebody else do it, and you'll literally give it a go. You're like, that feels impossible. Like, I remember when I put my hands on the floor for the first time, I went, what's this planche thing about? Like, I'm gonna give this a go. And I tried to lift myself up, straight arms, into this horizontal position, uh, just balancing on, only on my hands. Um, and I looked at Dave in the gym and I was like, mate, I have got nothing in that position. That is impossible. How do you even go about doing that? 
and um and and i remember that the, the slogan i originally put on my twitter handle was um was trying to uh, learn to redefine my own impossible um and it was just around this growth mindset of going well if, if you if i can see these people on youtube doing it it's not impossible i just need to go through the, the process of understanding how to do it and we talk a lot about everyone comes with it your body tells a story of the decisions that you've made in your life so i'm a rugby player played since i was nine i came to calisthenics when i was i'm 37 now so like 33 so i didn't start young i've never done gymnastics never done breakdown dancing nothing that which would actually would have helped um, and the benefit that what we've we've got is a, is a significant amount of time actually working with people, looking at movement in a different way. Because we, as Dave says, like with the Paralympic side of stuff, you, you see the world a bit differently, and that very much kind of challenges even aside from the calisthenics what your view of impossible is. Because we we've I trained a guy and, and Dave looks after him now called Richard Whitehead. He currently holds a world record for a double leg amputee or a leg amputee even over a marathon distance. His best time, top of my head, is like two hours 40, so that's fast. But he also holds a world record for a 200 meter sprint event, and he's like running 22, 23 seconds for 200 meters. So we, we kind of our mindset and how we see movement and sport and athleticism. Like we, I've not been understanding the impossible for a long time because you get guys that come in and you go, well, you, you can't be world record marathon and in a sprint event. Well, actually, yeah, you can. If you go through the process, you understand the different parts of that. Um, and that's very much become a mindset we've, which we've adopted. And it's amazing because it is our story. Really finding our impossible is something that we do on a, or try to work towards on a daily basis. And, and within calisthenics, when you can do a frog stand, that might have seemed impossible to start off with, and a handstand might seem impossible. But the sooner or later, if you go through the process and you give it time, you'll do a handstand, and then you go, I wonder if I could do a handstand push-up. But because you've already defined, redefined that first impossible, nothing else is impossible now. Now you just need to put some time in and go through the process. And we have this concept of the impossible box, the place in your brain where you put things which you think you can't do. And it's all about now, the job is, let's take things out of that impossible box. And it, you start to look at it of going, that's no longer a permanent place. There's stuff in there like a one-arm pull-up that I can't do, but it's not impossible. I know it's a temporary resident in that box until I actually give it the time and, and energy to actually take it out. But I don't doubt myself anymore with a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think that the, the things that are impossible, they're all relative, right? So you, Nick, um, I wanted to almost like jokingly say, well, of course, at six foot six and 200 pounds, there's no way you could do a handstand. <laughs> that would be wrong of me and call of me to just pull on those strings. But it's all relative. That feels impossible to you at the moment. Sure. But like we've had been really lucky to work with some amazing um, Paralympic athletes that literally their answer to everything is like, I'll see. Like if you go, do you want to see if you could do that? So they'll go yeah well let's I'll just try. see let's just find out i'll have a go um and to to give like yes it feels impossible to you right now um but we've trained a guy andy mullin a, a swimmer who's got um he's sort of a, he's got no hands like he's got two stumps for and then like sort of half a leg um and he's he'll he tries to he'll try to do he can do a handstand against a wall but i guess you can't even call it like a stump stand it's not even yeah. got but he'll and we've got to the point where he could balance for a, a yeah. second or so it's always got him into it got him into i've got a video of him doing like a human flag but just this idea of like we need to change our thought and what our mind thinks is impossible so like no i'm not dismissing you thinking this is going to be your handstand at six foot six and 200 pounds is going to be hard yes it's going to be much and as an i don't know how old you are but learning that as an adult compared to yes if you'd done gymnastics as a three-year-old it would be way easier 
but if we can sort of shift our mind around seeing what like see what other people are doing like surround ourselves with people with the internet now it's it's so easy to actually find some things that actually change your perception of what is impossible don't be put off by it be more inspired by it and then actually you look at your your little impossible and go well actually it's not if someone can do that then i can do this thing and if someone can do that missing limbs and and, oh. and one of the things is that it really shows the importance of the psychology of it right yeah and tim you it's mentioned attitude. growth mindset <laughs> and it's so important to i mean someone once told me you can either have in life what you want or your reasons why not and they're not the same thing and are we going to go for what we want or give in to the reasons, right? I can stay with I'm tall as an excuse my whole life. And most people will buy it. But is it truth? I mean, I've, I've met, I have friends who are my size who can do freestanding handstand push-ups. And yeah. that it, it, it reveals the lie of that excuse. And so many people will say, oh, I have a bum shoulder, I can't swim. But you're talking about people who are missing hands and a whole leg. And so wherever it is, right? Because with life athletics, we're not just looking at purely athletics, but I think what we're talking about applies to everything. There are people who say, oh, I, I, I could never start a business because and they insert some reason, or I, I could never find true love or whatever it is for them. And I think it's so important what you guys are bringing up that there are people with much bigger, more legitimate seeming excuses who aren't buying into those stories and are doing the thing that most of us are stopping ourselves from even trying. Yeah, we had a, I think, right, it's, it's a mindset which starts to grow into a lot of different things. And I, I think it's, it's having the opportunity or giving yourself the freedom to give that idea that dream that thing that you want to achieve a little bit of breathing space and just put it there and go okay well it might feel like it's impossible but it, i've just got to understand the process that i need to go through to achieve that that goal and um i think like we look at it, the the redefining impossible it stems into into business now for us and, and we, we have our school of calisthenics um business it, it's growing we're having a great time doing it and we're, we're hopefully sharing a lot of positive messaging and helping people to adopt this this change in their mindset but we might have at one time gone, oh, I don't know, it's gonna be hard to start this business is anybody going to want to want to learn calisthenics with us and could we grow it to this sort of size or might we ever have different um, franchises or, or whatever the scale looks like for us um, and those things seem scary. Like we look at it and go, well, what's that going to look like? That's going to require a lot of work and a lot of sacrifice. But is it something that we think is of value? And if it is, um, then we've just got to put the work in. And, and I think you're right. People make excuses because it's almost too scary. And it, it comes down to this fear of failure. Like I don't want to try because I might fail. And how am I going to handle that? Um, and I've, I think over the years, I, I grew up playing rugby. I choked at every major trial that I went to um, because I was terrified of failing. Um, and that's shaped my mindset over the years of just going, I'm going to work so hard so I don't actually have to fail. But it's inevitable. I'm going to at some point. Um, but I think it's just probably being a bit, um, I don't know, stubborn or resilient against that sort of stuff. But you, you, you've got to find some way of teaching yourself that some things take time and you've got to, it, it's become cliche, we talk about it a lot, but you've got to enjoy the journey. The journey to a handstand is brutal because you're going to fall over over and over and over and you're going to want to give up because you don't feel you can do it but when you can do it 
mate, you're going to feel like a superhero and you'll be like, what's next? That was amazing. And all that hard stuff then just becomes part of that journey. So you, you, we talk about um, enjoying the journey as we go through the process and, and learn to handstand is going to be one of those things where you, you're going to fail um, over and over. But you, you, it, it's that sort of stuff which adds value. And when you can do it, you actually look back and you go, I'm glad I've been through that journey because it shaped me. And now I can apply all of that stuff that actually failing week in, week out for months on end at a handstand but then actually achieving it, it just puts that context around, okay, I've got these other big, audacious, scary things in my life that I want to do. If I want to achieve something like that, I know that I've got to go through some hardship, but there's an end in sight if I go through the right process and it's going to be worth it. One of the things that I really like about the approach that you guys have, I've watched some of your videos, is that emphasis on the importance of procedure and process and how if you try to go too fast, you'll probably just have to come back to this point anyway. So why not take a breath, slow down, master this, and then when you have, then move on. Whereas I feel so often in, in the world we live in, people are trying to find shortcuts to everything, hacking everything, going faster with everything. And, and while, yeah, just, not everything lends itself yeah. to a quick fix. So I really appreciate that you guys normalize and and draw value from taking it slow and having it be procedural. Yeah, Tim coined a phrase, earn the right to progress. Mm. Uh, and I'm, I'm the living proof of the opposite. Like my handstand <laughs> journey, to give you the context, was like, Tim was going very slowly, going up from that frog, pressing out into that handstand for literally months and months and months and months and, and seemingly sort of making very little progress and this was at the beginning when we were just messing about and I was like well I'm like just if we're trying to learn a handstand I'm just going to go straight to the handstand mate and just there was me just like kicking up and falling over for like I don't know how I almost feel like it was like a year or it was a long time and then after I think it got to the point where I was, after about a year I was like oh, I'm just actually going to go back and have to start from the beginning because all of a sudden now Tim's doing this really cool like uh, slow controlled uh, rotation up from that frog stand um, and I was like I've massively tried to do that that like you say that quick fix uh-huh. um, one of the things Nick that we've learned from uh, how we try and approach it now is we've made okay, we, we have a the benefit in that we've got a lot of exercise science knowledge behind us to put context around movement and training so we understand the variables that are involved um, but we did, we've very much sort of like not in, intentionally not followed a lot of other people's stuff because we wanted to solve the problem ourselves. And by doing that, we've gone on a very roundabout route of getting to an end goal. And we've actually made all of the mistakes pretty much. So yeah, the material that we put out now, we're, we're currently <laughs> writing a front lever book. Like we literally know everything that doesn't work for a front <laughs> lever. But what we're, what we're going to present is a very uh, the most direct route with a rationale as to why each one of those exercises fitting into the human body understanding human movement why each one of those exercises is an important component so that people can benefit from our mistakes they haven't got to make the, all the, the the issues that uh, or, or make the mistakes that we made because we know that people want to feel that success that they need to feel progression but at the same time you've got to earn it yeah and i think sometimes people people will say to us like oh so how how long did it take you to learn a human flag let's say for example and you go oh God, i don't know we did it in a three or four months and even at that point it was crap and then and then they'll think oh if it took those two three or four months it'll probably take me maybe double that so like six or eight months and the, the reality is it's like no it'll take you probably half the time because <laughs> we made like tim said made so many mistakes but 
and at the time it can be super frustrating like we had so many conversations going mate like this is just too <laughs> flippant like really pushing the boundaries of that impossible like we give it all the big and about yeah you got to think it's not impossible duh, duh, duh. but we still go through the same our brains work exactly the same as everyone else's we sit there and have conversations going i don't know there's times we i don't know if i could do if it's ever going to get this right but you get that little glimpse just the tiny little glimpse of like oh actually after however long weeks months I, f- I can feel that now and then we start to piece it back together and then and then you get there but you as tim said you then streamline that approach for somebody else and with no disrespect we've got um three guys that we did our very first like taught to do a human flag we've got a video of them on youtube of and it's genuine but you have to believe us or not like where and then one guy he must be six foot five mm, he must be sort of your height as well where he we got a video of them with their attempt uh, in week one with no coaching no training no nothing and then seven weeks later and and we were literally we still get flabbergasted by what people learn in the amount of time um and sometimes I get jealous. I'm like, <laughs> you don't know. Like they think it, they they're like, oh man, it was really hard to learn. That. I'm like, you don't know the half of it. Like, <laughs> you, but the, Joey, that's but that's the cool thing. So like all that hard. What I try and remind us and myself is when things feel really hard for us when we're trying to learn these new things, how much value and how much better we're going to make someone else's journey off the back of our sort of heartache of uh, not being able to have been challenged and not being able to do these things but that that is what makes i think that's what makes it powerful that's what makes the school of calisthenics stand for something um, and like you said right at the beginning knowing the fact that we don't have that gymnastics experience knowing that actually we're just a couple of old broken rugby players that are just having a bit of fun with a different way of training but learning some some sort of cool, whether you think they're cool or not cool new things um, along the way. Another aspect of the psychology of the two of you that I'm, I'm noticing and, and really appreciating is this idea that mistakes have value. Mm. Again, so often people are going through life, it seems, trying to do everything they can to avoid making mistakes. And, I mean, yet to try anything new is going to risk making mistakes and I think it's a necessary part of the process and so in avoiding them we we shut ourselves off and so embracing them finding value in making mistakes I think is is excellent and important and I think it's something that other people can can learn from in what you're sharing here Totally. When I'm, I'm glad you brought it back up because I was I was itching to try and shoehorn or shoehorn something else back in. When Tim was talking about um, that fear of failure and his experience of that, like when he was playing rugby, um, this that happens in life all the time. And actually, what we really need to do is we need to start. All of us, literally as humans, need to start being. If we want to achieve things, we need to start um, being brave enough to go you know what, I'm going to try this thing that feels impossible. I don't think I can necessarily do right now, but I need to try it. And you need to open our, our mind up to the fact that you might try that thing. And we're painting a nice rosy picture that if you follow the right advice, you do the right things, you do it nice and progressively, earn the right to progress, whether it's a physical thing, it's a business or it's your home life, it's relationships, whatever it is, that we're painting the rosy picture that that's, you're going to get there to the end and that's going to be great. And and that you know hopefully that is what we we pray that will will happen for you whatever you're trying to do, but you need to open up your mind to the fact that it might not happen. 
you might try, you might follow the wrong information or for what the, a whole host number of reasons that it doesn't then actually happen for you. But the, the, the important thing is to say that like, that's okay. And what you need to do is, as you were saying there, is learn from those mistakes, either learn from those mistakes and at some point then be able to do that thing and make a change or learn from those mistakes and apply those principles that you've learned to something else, to some other, like take that, take that failure, learn from it and then use it positively for you in a different area of your life or maybe you can use it positively for somebody else when they're trying to go through the same thing. But that idea that, that just not trying to do something because we're worried uh, and it's really difficult to do, like I appreciate that and I'm there as well, but not, not, not doing something because we're worried that actually if I don't do it, what am I going to think about myself or what are other people going to think about myself is that's what's holding us back from doing like incredible things. Um, I love the phrase that like, every failure is an opportunity to learn. Um, and we've got that now in business as well. There's things that are happening behind the scenes in our business in, in my own personal life and finances and whatever else. And I'm going, like, these are the mistakes that, that things are, cr- are cropping up, but I'm just seeing that as an opportunity to learn and go, okay, well, we're dealing with something which is fairly, at this stage, small, and, and it's not it's not sort of ruining my life or anything like that, but that's something which is a lesson which I'm just gonna apply if things scale and grow, and there's a much more uh, state later down the line. So I think it's just when negative some, something negative happens, it's how you frame it, and you go, right, okay, take that on board, let's go again, and I'm not gonna make that mistake again. It's not that it's a negative thing, actually, no one gets anywhere without making mistakes, because it's you don't learn anything. Like, if it's too easy, you get to your end goal, yeah. and you're like, oh, okay, that was easy, no value in that, I'm just gonna go and do something else. And if the first hurdle you come up against, if you get stumped by it, then that's just gonna, I just think it's gonna, you need to embrace those things and go, right, these these are difficulties. Um, this is something I need to overcome. And in the moment, it feels like your world's falling apart, but you'll get through it and you'll look back and go, right, okay, that was a, that was a valuable thing, lesson. I can use that to shape my behavior or give me confidence that next time I come across something similar, I'm going to, I've got a strategy and I know that it's going to be all right. And we see that in sport all the time. And we, in sport, when we're working in elite performance and we take those behaviors and, and try and implement them into our lives, um, we, we put challenges in front of athletes because we want them to struggle. And it's not that we're trying to set them up to fail, but we fail is, we, we have to accept that that's actually not a dirty word. It's it, setting somebody up with an opportunity where they may make it or they may not. Either way, they're going to learn something, and we then use the psychology around that to shape that into a positive, rather than it being something which becomes destructive. Well, that's what I'm taking away from this: is that the failure themselves, the failures themselves, are valuable. That it's not well. They can be way more valuable than right. than success. Because a lot of the time, when people are successful, they don't actually learn from that. I remember, I forget the guy's name, there's a, a chess champion um, who lost his first ever one, um, his first ever like world title in the final, and he said it was the best thing that ever happened to him, because hmm. it made him realise that he wasn't a child prodigy, and they actually need to go away and work his ass off, and he, he then went to win five in a row, or he's like, oh, I can't remember the guy's name, but yeah. So I found that one of the, the struggles that I had to face in my life was sort of opposite what a lot of people complain about. A lot of people say, no one believed in me, No, like everyone counted me out and I proved them wrong. What I found in a number of areas was that I present really well, I make good first impressions, I'm large, I look athletic, uh, or did, I mean I'm getting older, but um, 
people always thought that I was going to be really good, especially sports. And I was okay. And maybe had potential to be better, but the embarrassment of not living up to those expectations in my youth, I, I held back. And I remember once seeing a friend of mine learn how to play basketball in his 30s faster than I've ever seen an adult learn anything. And for him, it was just, I'm great. I've never played basketball before. I don't have to feel any shame about not being good at this thing. And so just his psychology wasn't in the way. And I noticed that mine had been. So how do you get people past, and you mentioned this being humbling. A lot of people, that, that would be a block, like being humbled. So how do you get people to risk being bad long enough to be good at something? <laughs> As part of that with calisthenics that we love about it is it's um, is the, it's play. So mm. if we can introduce that idea of fun back into something. Um, so when we were like Dave mentioned at the start, when we were first in the gym, people were laughing at us because we were. Dave would say to me like, Tim, can you do a handstand on that on that tractor tire, or can you do a handstand on a beer keg? And I'm like, I don't know, let's have a go. And we were literally we'd fall and we we'd laugh and we saw so many people in the gym who weren't having a nice time and weren't having a good laugh. Um, and it just became a bit infectious, I think. And we're still like that now. Our best sessions, people say, what's your best session? And I say to them, actually, it's the one where I'm just having a good time and I'm just playing. And I think that pressure that, that you, you talk about is really um, is really relevant. And um, getting people to just enjoy that, actually, if it's something which they enjoy, they'll, they'll adhere. Um, and if it's, so if you're, for your friend, for example, if you all of a sudden enjoy playing basketball, but wasn't great at it, but was getting, could focus on the enjoyment rather than thinking he's got to be the next NBA superstar. Um, that means that adherence is, is much, much better because you're doing it because you love it. And it goes back to that idea of just, this is something that I want to do. I don't really care. Um, what people think and that's a big thing for people to go and do what we did in the gym and i i can do it because i'm i've got confidence in in 10 years as a strength and conditioning coach and i've always moved differently to other people because what most people do is not the best practices all the time so you've got to find some confidence in that and that's where the, the power of a community comes in if you can find other people that you're doing the same sort of thing there's strength in numbers, right? Like it's that, like that phrase from Rudyard Kipling, the wolf is the, the strength of the pack is the wolf and the wolf is the strength of the pack. And it, it's that sort of, um, that idea around doing stuff together, finding finding common ground with people. Um, and I think there's there's something also, my last point, I, I like Jacko jump in, is around calisthenics forces you to leave your ego at the door. Um, there is no space for it because you're gonna get humbled. Um, it's inevitable at some point that you're gonna come up against something that you can't do at that stage. And there you face the decision, do I wanna do this because I'm enjoying the process um, or do I not wanna do it because I'm embarrassed of what other people think? And that's where you go, how, how valuable is that end goal to me? How much do I wanna do a handstand? Because if it's not that much, then don't bother because you're not willing to go through that, that, that hardship. But, um, and the same yeah, thing applies for every area of life. Right? And how badly do you want to start that business? How badly do you want that relationship to work? How badly yeah. do you want the life that you say you want? And, and I think that's, there's a bit of an interesting thing there about like, I want to build a business, but I don't crave it because I'm, I'm actually not materialistic at all. It's the challenge that excites me. Mm -hmm. Like, can I build a business? And if I can, I make a million pounds. I actually don't want a million pounds. If someone gives me a million quid, I'll probably give it away um, because there's people that need that money way more than I do. Um, 
but I'm interested to see if can I achieve that. That's what drives me. The, the challenge of it. The nice thing about calisthenics um, and, and its training as a as an analogy that it is only it doesn't matter what someone else is doing. Like it only because it's body weight training. It's it's strength to weight ratio, right? So it's about it's about how strong you are for your body weight. Um, and how well you can control your body. So I don't need to be able to do a six foot six handstand because I ain't six foot six, but that's what you need to do. Um, and so it, it starts to make you think a little bit more around what am I, what, what am I doing rather than t- we spend too much of our time. I would say we, I just mean everybody like, look at what's that person doing? What's that person doing? Like, I want to try and do that thing though. You know, why can't I do what they're doing? Um, whereas it makes it, it makes it be a little bit more internal, um, which I think is really important that we're starting to starting to come. If we want to imp- like make an impact with ourselves, we need to start looking at ourselves a little bit more. Um, and uh, the the psychology part of it that you touched on, Nick, was um, of, and even just just to take a point to say, Nick, absolutely loving this podcast. <laughs> I'm loving what you're doing. It's brilliant. I'm just having a great time. Um, but yeah, the psychology side of things is about, and Tim talked about, uh, mentioned uh, the growth mindset and your friend um, learning to play basketball as an adult. Some um, a, a book I'd really recommend you'd read. I think you'd absolutely love it, um, unless you've already done it. A mindset by Carol Dweck. She's a psychologist that's done a lot of work with children. And there's one little anecdote, one little story she tells that... Um, for me changes um changes how you like sort of see your own mind working um they they took they took um a load of school school children and they gave them all a puzzle and they let them do the puzzle and then to half of them afterwards after they'd finished the puzzle they went well done for doing that puzzle you must be really smart putting them in a fixed mindset like putting a label on them that they're smart and we all love labels we love putting ourselves in a box putting a label on ourselves but that just restricts us and puts us in that in that box um whereas to the other half of the children they said well done um for for, for finishing the puzzle you must have worked really hard to complete that puzzle um giving them the idea of this growth mindset that's the only difference that they said just that one sentence but what was amazing was then they gave them all the option of another puzzle and they said do you want a harder puzzle or do you want the same puzzle and literally everyone that they said to them you must be really smart they went I'll just give me the same, I'll just have the same puzzle. They don't want a harder one because they're worried, and this comes back to what we said before, worried about failure, worried about what if I can't do that other one, no then I'm not going to be smart, smart anymore. Yeah. yeah, which is ridiculous, but that is literally how our mind works. Whereas the, the other kids that said, you must have worked really hard, they went, yeah, here's a harder one because if I can't do it, I'll just carry on working hard because they're just reinforcing that like idea of it's it was the hard work that got them there. And that... For me, like in terms of when you talk about the psychology, how do you like get people to think about the psychology of things? That is that is it in a nutshell. Um, just, there's one thing that we've been working on, Nick. I'll, I'll let you pick up on anything that Jacko said, but there's something that we've been working on. I'm not ashamed to admit it because we come from a place of being comfortable. Like we feel like we should be able to do a front lever. It's a it's a calisthenics basic, but it's, it's a move we've battled with for reasons that we're still <laughs> understanding. Whether it's our shoulder histories or just our training backgrounds, but we've found it difficult. So this has been on my to-do list for the last three years. It's a movement in calisthenics that we should be able to do, but whether it's because of our training background or our injuries history or, or whatever it is, it's been an absolute struggle. Um, but it's still there. We're still working on it, and it, there could have been times where we could have just given up and not and not done it. Um, and there's been times where it's been massively frustrating and painful. But it's just 
it's almost like you get you get in calisthenics and, and hopefully it, it comes into life that you just understand that I've got to keep going rather than giving up. And giving up becomes, it almost becomes not an option. But and it's learned, quite cliche. But we've learned so much about, cause the, because that one's been a particularly hard one, we've then actually looked at things in a little bit more detail around that. And I would say I've, I've learned an awful lot about the importance around like shoulder blade retraction, yeah. the linking with the core, and then that, we're talking now about that splint between the anterior and posterior chain, which it's made us look deeper, and it's made it's actually expanded our understanding. And if we'd have just been able to do it just like that after a couple of weeks, we wouldn't have had to delve a bit deeper into what are the mechanics of this movement that we're lacking, and why can't we? Why when we can do lots of other hard things, why can't we do this hard thing? Yeah, I'm um, actually more excited about being able to share that with other people yeah. than I am about whether I can do a front lever or not. That's that's I'm going to go. This is going to be amazing. We can have so much incredible information to give people that they're going to get this opportunity to redefine an impossible. Failure generating value. That's that's it in a nutshell. Failure generating value. I love that. <laughs> but changes oh, yeah, it just came up uh, I've had a coffee <laughs> uh, but it just shows you because it goes back to what you were saying reinforce what you're saying again about and it's started, starting to come out more and more, more that actually failure is the best thing failure is the best thing failure is when we're learning failure like with the value like but that is uh, ultimately this like what's the yeah, what's the point what's the game you've got big picture of the yeah. end goal and that's of value otherwise yeah. it's you'll lose your way yeah because what's what do you want success to be anyway? What's the end point? Like, at some point we're all going to be old and not be able to do a front lever anyway because we're too old. <laughs> so like, wouldn't you prefer to learn something along the way? What's actually interesting, you mentioned age there. Uh, I mean, there's so many di- yeah. different directions I want to go into, but I I switched how I trained because I looked ahead and I didn't see. Um, I mean, I, I was doing basic bodybuilding stuff, the the bicep curls into the mirror that you were talking about before. And, and I didn't see a lot of old, tall guys who that was working for. Um, but connecting the body seemed to, to create more longevity, and, and I wanted to be an active old man. So I started looking at what could I do to get this body to have a longer life, a longer usable life. And, and so, yeah, switching, switching out to more of a movement-based, calisthenic-based, gymnastic-based, even though it's not what typically I think people would think I was built for. And so it's been yeah. a great journey. I think there's a, there's, a, there's a big thing there, Nick, that we've been through the same process. I mean, so I'm 37 now. Um, what do I want to do? To... I thought you were going to come back to that and go, what, Tim's 37? <laughs> <It's> 27. <laughs> what do I want to be able to do when I'm 55, 60 and is loading my my spine up with a back squat that's 100 150 kilos is that actually good for me um and you get back to that functional as being a word which has been thrown around in the fitness industry for a long time and, and some people like it some people don't but ultimately we know what we're talking about but i feel like calisthenics is going to give me longevity mm-hmm. um and it, it means we can have i can have some fun in the world like i can go out for a day and we, we've just got strength that I can play with. And it might be, if you look at our Instagram stuff or some of the things that we've done before, like you'll see pictures of us doing handstands on hilltops and in the snow and all that sort of stuff. And I think it's just, uh, I think it's just a really important point that you, that you make that we don't have to continue to do what we've always done um, as our life stage changes. 
because other things become more important. Core stability for uh, as we get older is going to help us not fall over and it's going to decrease instances of, of back pain and joint issues and and these are all sorts of things that actually just use the body that you've got, the body that you've been given, um, to, and, and, and learn how to optimize it. I mean, I, I agree completely. There's, um, like I said, so many different directions I want to go into. There was something, Jacko, that you talked about in terms of how we label ourselves and Carol Dweck's idea of uh, hard work versus being smart. There was another study that was done where they took a bunch of kids and told half of them that they were the most brilliant, gifted children um, in in the district and that they were going to get put in a special class the following year and they took a group of teachers and said that they were the most brilliant, gifted teachers and they were going to get the most brilliant, gifted children. Yeah. And and that class just excelled and it was just randomly divided. Right? But these people being told yeah. that they were brilliant and gifted, all of a sudden they they started believing it. And it's it's so interesting yeah. how our reality is so often based on what we think is possible. And so often yeah. what we think is possible is limited by some story, some teacher, some parent said something that we interpreted a certain way and we think, well, I'm tall, therefore it's harder for me to do a handstand and that becomes true. Yeah. That's that fixed mindset. Yeah. Uh, and then there's 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 that balance of performing to expectations. So give someone really good expectations, then then they're more likely to perform to them. Like it happens, we have an internal dialogue that we say to ourselves that sometimes can be positive, sometimes can be negative. Um, was it um, Henry Ford that said like, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Either way, you're right, yeah. Uh, yeah, and like it's it's so true. Um, and it's just getting that, I think with the those two examples of that and what, what Carol Dweck was doing was is just that balance between not giving someone a label that they're scared of losing and actually building up their sort of um, confidence, self-esteem and, and expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I had it with, I'd done some rugby coaching when I finished playing rugby and I had a team of amazing guys that we, we used to win games that we had absolutely no right in winning um, against teams <laughs> in higher leagues than us. Um, but just perform like literally protect completely. I didn't even believe it, but as the coach was, you know, pretending that I to them that I believed that like of course of course we're going to beat these guys today. Like, um, and not that it happens every time, but there is that element of giving that expectation that success is going to come. Um, hmm. Is it's a it's that positive outlook, isn't it? It's extremely poignant to hear that today. My favorite basketball team lost uh, game two, the first two games of, of the series that are in the playoffs against a team that was ranked below them in the standings for this year. But this team always beats my team. And yeah. and all through the media, people are talking about how the Cleveland Cavaliers have the Toronto Raptors numbers. And, and it's interesting, if that's true, just what the belief system is there. Because looking from the outside, Toronto has a better team. Cleveland does have the best player in the world right now, but still, just that idea of if you believe you can or you believe you can't, either way, you're right. Mm, yeah. Um, and the problem is that history. If you've if you have a history of like losing against the same team all the time, like history sort of ends up trying to tell you that the future is then going to be the same, but it isn't. It doesn't have to be. But that's. But it works both ways around. I remember I. Um, 
when I was playing rugby, there was uh, one ground where I'd scored. The first time I played there, I scored a hat trick. Second time I played there, like I think I scored two tries. And then uh, like the third time we were going to go to that 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 team, it was like I was already I already was thinking that it was going to be a good game. And people would go, oh, didn't you score hat trick here the other week? Or you know the other year? And and you you've, without realizing it, you're just putting this like hugely positive spin on something. Uh-huh. But it's easy when it's easy when the history had already been positive. The difficult thing is when history is has been negative how do you not let that impact your mindset around the future because the future is not yet told the future hasn't happened like you decide your future what happens for the rest of the day today is down to whatever we're going to do from now on it's such a powerful important point right because globally we are fighting wars in the same places that we were fighting them in when i was a child and a lot of the justification of that is, well, that's that's what's been happening. That's what we do. And as human beings, I think we're as a as a collective global unit, suffering from the same things that we as individuals are in terms of thinking. Well, it's always happened this one way, so that's how it is. People in this part of the world are starving. People in this part of the world aren't. And how do you redefine that? How do you redefine? you're impossible based on track record. I don't know whether you have the answer. We're about to try to solve world hunger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but like, um, yeah. I've never been able to do a handstand. I have a, I have a 39-year-old history of not being able to do handstands, right? Um, and I was joking with you at the beginning of, of the show that the logo for my brand is someone doing a handstand. People often ask if it's me, and it's one of my best friends from high school um, who's the logo. But, um, yeah, it'd be really easy to say, well, I've just never been able to do it. I'm never going to be able to do it. But I don't... Yeah, but it's... Yeah. When, when I couldn't do a human flag, I couldn't do a human flag. Hmm. But it doesn't mean that I can't then do one in the, in the future. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's very... Like, what you can do now is what you can do now, and what you, what you can't is what you can't. It's... Yeah, I think our, our space of how we try and fit into that, that conversation is is we know we have to start, right? We're not going to achieve anything. So some of the bigger things that you're talking about, and I know there's some great minds working on, on these big, complex problems, but if we kind of dial it down to our, our own micro level, um, I've, got to, I've got to start. And I think it's, I like to think that we've disrupted things in a little bit and that we've changed because we haven't come from a gymnastics background or in, in terms of we try and keep it in our context of, of, of something that we know a bit about, um, we've kind of thrown we've thrown a little bit of, of disruption into the space because we shouldn't really have a right to be doing what we're doing um a lot of people look at us and, and from gymnastics background but it's it's taken a fresh approach and it's taken us to come with a leg maybe a little bit of innovation and just to sort of challenge the, the status quo and go do you know what i'm a 37 year old bust up rugby player with two shoulder reconstructions but we've got this this method and this innovation that we've come up with in this process and it's working. Let's try and now reach more people with that. Um, but if we never had the confidence to start in the first place, and, and there might be people out there that have got great solutions to complex problems, but they don't give themselves the freedom to actually explore those. And I read a great book um, called Originals, which I loved and talking about original thinkers. And if anybody's got any ideas and that, that sort of, they think they have creative original thoughts, um, but they don't know what to do with them or how to shape them, um, just read that book. I forget the author's name off the top of my head, but I loved it. Um, we'll find it and we'll and put it in the yeah, show notes. Yeah, yeah. I can, I've, I've got it at home. I'll, um, I'll, I'll check it out. I'll let you have it. Yeah, it's called Originals. But um, just 
the world needs original thinkers. We need people to step out with brave ideas and do something different to challenge these issues. Otherwise, we're just going to fall into this acceptance of we've always done it that way, so that's how it is. Well, if you've always done it that, that way, it's, it's like that, that quote from us about insanity, isn't it? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting something different. Yeah, so we've got to do something different if we're going to get a different outcome. Einstein was an original, he knew. Yeah, he knew one of the best. <laughs> he we, He'd redefined impossibility. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. Literally. I absolutely love it. So it's it's one of these wonderful things where uh, I feel like we just scratched the surface of what we could talk about, and and we're almost the tail end here. And I wanted to cover a couple things before we we wrap up. Uh, you two are going to be hosting a challenge, and you're going to be trying to break a world record or set a world record. Yep. Can you talk about that for a second? Yeah, it's the uh, on International Handstand Day, which isn't, which sounds like something we've made up, but it isn't something we've made up. <laughs> In- International Handstand Day. I don't know how many years it's been going, but um, who cares? It's the best day of the year. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's the twenty third of June this year, two thousand eighteen. So we decided um, off the back of last year's to go. Why don't we break the world? Why don't we do something impossible? Like why don't we break the world record for the most number of people doing a handstand? It currently sits at three hundred ninety eight. Um, so we need 399, minus you, Nick, you're obviously coming now as well. <laughs> um, and yes, so we are, um, that's taking place uh, in our, our home city, Nottingham in the UK. Um, but we're setting up live Facebook and Instagram feeds and people can then take part anywhere in the world as well. Oh, amazing. I was uh, wondering whether. Yeah, people that can't make, so they can post, they can follow along live and then post their videos uh, to us so they can take part as well. Um, and interesting that the, the registration for that had only just recently only just opened last week. Um, so if people want to get involved in that, um, there's a, a small res- uh, five pound registration fee, and a pound of that goes to the charity. Which um, actually we talked about right at the beginning. But after my head injury, um, there's a there's a head injury um, charity in the UK that uh, I support an ambassador of. So a, a pound of that registration fee goes to the charity. Incredible. Well, so we'll have a link to well, we'll have a link yeah, we'll to a bunch of your stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you also have a free beginner's guide, that which you've downloaded, haven't you, Nick? I have downloaded it, <laughs> and I'm really excited. I actually I watched one of your um, YouTube handstand videos and hit some sort of crow thing longer than I've ever <laughs> hit that thing before, um, and it was it was such a great victory to just allow myself to progress and and try something and I just leaned forward a little bit more than I ever had wrist falling on my nose okay. and and yeah held it till my abs kind of seized up and yelled at me but, <laughs> there's a little bit of something for people like thinking about getting started in calisthenics we have developed a framework which which is based on human movement science and training principles but it will break down so if it, regardless of where you're coming from mm. our framework will guide you to the end goal so we've got a guy who's a 70 year old um was a truck driver for 40 years couldn't lift his hands over his head when he first started he's now completely redefined as impossible and what a lot of other people thought was but the processing is in place around that beginner's guide and we go into it in more detail in the other ebooks so if it's a muscle up or a human flag to actually create the conditions for success so we'll give you the shoulder range of movement by showing you the tools you need to do how to teach yourself the skill acquisition phase how to get strong so it really isn't something which is scary you literally can start with the beginner's guide get a feel for it and then take it from there and from your writing i found that you do make the impossible feel possible it feels very gentle and yet progressive 
and and I've I've definitely enjoyed what I've seen so far, and I'm looking forward to diving into more. So yeah, you guys are doing great work. Really, really great. Thanks, we appreciate it. It's great for us to hear that actually that's the that's what we want to communicate. So it's always really um, rewarding for us to hear people sort of actually that's the experience that you're getting as a, as a user of the content. So that's that's a big uh, a big feather in our cap for today. We'll go away feeling good about that. So we already talked about the handstand challenge. I usually ask people what's making them happy these days and what are they looking forward to. So it can be that, it can be something else, but what's making you happy these days and what are you looking forward to? Your podcast is making me happy. <laughs> yeah, we've had a great time. I was just buzzing. That's enough for me. I'm going to have a great Friday. Amazing. You know what? I think for, for us, it's the opportunity to talk to like-minded people about yeah. this. Calisthenics can look like a cool photo on Instagram of someone doing a human flag. But as we've, it's funny actually, we started off just wanting to teach that. That's what we thought it was about. Um, and as we spent more time in it and understood it more and, and encountered more opportunities to share the message with people, we've realized that it's about so much more. So there's like, there's some stuff in the UK, a lot of mental health is a big issue at the moment, a lot of big conversation point. So there's, a, there's some stuff around 10 ways to live a happier life. And if you look at calisthenics and what that offers, there's so many of those things which are, can be of benefit to people. And it's a good way to get people active. It helps to encourage growth mindset, which might improve family life or relationships. And it, that sort of stuff is something we're super excited about. That actually, we've got this vehicle, which is a form of physical activity, um, but actually the, the potential for for people to, to improve a much greater um, uh, parts of their life, much more in their life, is, is that's, that's what's getting me excited about putting that message out there. Well, I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. I'm a fan. Um, yeah, maybe we'll we'll have you on again as repeat guests because I feel, sure. again, I, we, we just scratched the surface here. Need to do it in person next time. <laughs> love to. Love to. So, guys, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your time and your generosity. And, yeah, again, we'll have links to all your stuff on the show notes so people can come to lifeathletics.com and find your episode. And, yeah, link away. So that'll be great. Great, awesome. Well, we really appreciate it, Nick. Thanks for having us on. It's a, it's a real privilege for us to get to to, to um, talk to you about this sort of stuff, and we appreciate you sharing the message. Such a pleasure. And so then, life athletes, remember, it's your life, it's your game. Level up. We hope you've enjoyed this week's uh, School of Car Science podcast playgrounds session. If you have enjoyed it, and we would really appreciate it if you would head over to iTunes or whatever platform you're enjoying this on and give us a five star review we realize there is one to four but really it's only about the five stars mm-hmm. and that helps people to find us and we get to share this information with others we hopefully can help them to redefine their impossible yeah it's totally not about just trying to help our build us some confidence no <laughs> we're not at all insecure so until next week class dismissed